Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of VR and Education. Today on the show, we're going to be talking VR and esports. My two guests today have a passion, obviously, for both. Caleb Eubanks is currently from San Paulo, and he works in the XR content creator and communication arena. We also have Hunter Lane, who's director of content for Springboard VR. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hey, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, appreciate appreciate being able to be here. Yes, definitely. Definitely enjoy uh, being able to be on here with you, Craig. Let's start just how you guys got interested in this. So, Caleb, how did you get interested in particular with VR and esports? Ah, well, VR and esports just go together because uh, of, I guess, my original passions in life, which were playing electronic games and, of course, playing sports, physical sports, uh, being able to actually move around and and get my body active has always been able, you know, been something that was fun for me. And, and you, everybody always talks about the runner's high that you get when you're moving around. And, and I experienced that feeling a lot, just like the feelings that you get when you win a game. So uh, being able to merge those things together were always kind of a natural progression, I guess could say. Uh, but virtual reality in general is just something that I've always been just in awe of because of how it unlocks the world to you um, through, of course, a digital aspect. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can continue to elaborate on that. But but yeah, I guess the, the, the easiest answer is how to get into it is just been, been the, the fascination and, and the good feelings that both can bring to you. How about you, Hunter? Yeah, and it's a little bit of the same. I uh, grew up, I've always been a gamer, um, whether it be PC games or old school Nintendo. or um, And I also have always had an interest in sports, whether it be um, playing sports as a kid in some um, aspect. Um, in, uh, my degree is actually in sports media, so sports journalism. So um, wasn't quite athletic enough to be an athlete getting maybe past uh, high school, but I uh, always wanted to be kind of involved in sports. And I've always been um, a gamer as well, too. So um, seeing the emergence of esports in the past few years um, to kind of be a more mainstream mainstream thing is something that I, I personally love. Um, I, I watch esports, whether it be uh, Overwatch, League of Legends, uh, different kind of competitions there are. I love playing Rocket League and I play League of Legends. I'm not, th- not that good, but I still try. <laughs> but in oh, general, yeah. just uh, yeah, being able to um, kind of participate in esports and uh, kind of see it grow has been a, a real passion of mine. Caleb, I stumbled across your name because of your TED Talk that you did. And in your TED Talk, especially at the end there, you talked about competing at the World VR Games in China. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the WCG, is, uh, the, as, as it was called, is one of the largest gaming uh, conferences, I guess, uh, or competitions in the world. Uh, they kind of started many, many years ago, and they, the last one they had was in 2013. So it had been six years since they had had one when we went to Xi'an, China. Uh, and and I, as I was saying, the best part is, is it brings in people from all around the world. So at my competition, I believe there was like 514 different competitors of different games from 34 different countries. And it really felt like it when you had all these people walking across the stage, holding their flags and walking in groups. Uh, Not only was it people from all over the world, but it was just a really special event because every single person participating just knows how I I feel lucky and fortunate that they were to be there. Um, So, you know, being at the WCG was kind of a a dream come true for myself just because I had always watched people, uh, you know, as Hunter had said, even, you know, watching esports online is something that we all do, you know, to get into it, you first start watching other people and and you see what's out there 
And for me, I always enjoyed, the, like I said, the gaming aspect of it. But I didn't like hearing people always talk about how, oh, you know, that's not a real sport or this and that about how it doesn't actually compete against other sports like football or baseball, basketball, these other physical sports that we are used to seeing people at their, you know, their peak uh, physical, you know, abilities. And and what I've noticed is that this, the the differences with esports is it uses so many different abilities, but abilities nonetheless, and, and they have to be practiced and they have to be honed. So all these people that came from different cultures, uh, they were all very, uh, I guess, uh, very good at, at, at being, you know, uh, I'm not sure how, the best word to say for what it is, but uh, they were all, you know, very honed in. They were all professional at what they were doing. They knew what it was and they all had these similarities. So even though you couldn't speak the same language, we could all speak the language of the game that we were playing with each other. And that was always a fun thing to do. So, uh, so many good times to, that we had right there. Uh, and of course, once again, because I'm in the VR uh, arena of things, being able to actually play virtual reality means I'm using my real body. So I don't have to worry about people saying, oh, this isn't a real sport because, you know, we're actually physically moving uh, and it takes a lot of uh, work to practice at that level. Hunter, lots of people I think are familiar with esports, but virtual reality esports would be new to many of the listeners. How, how are they different besides, obviously, you're in a headset? Well, there's definitely a lot more um, kind of a physical element to the game, obviously, um, especially, you know, depending on what kind of uh, what particular game is. If you look at some of the more popular VR esports titles that are out there, um, you know, Beat Saber, for example, is one that people play um, competitively quite a bit. And I think anyone that's played that one, um, you know, can say after about 15, 20 minutes, you probably got at least somewhat of a sweat worked up. Um, some of the other titles, uh, I know Onward's another popular one. Uh, this is a shooter title that, um, you know, you're not just holding a controller and, you know, you are actually having to uh, move around and, you know, communicate with your team in, in a more um, meaningful way, maybe than just talking to them, you know, um, to kind of uh, you know, work together as a team. So in general, VR esports are uh, just a little bit more, I'd say, involved physically than regular esports. But um, I still think they probably take a lot of the same kinds of skill sets as Caleb said. Um, esports in general, it's not um, that you're just good at doing one thing. Uh, there's, there's a whole complexity behind uh, what you have to do. Uh, how you have to work to uh, together as a team and then to be successful in that especially when <clears throat> especially with standard esports you've got thousands or millions of other players that play the game on a daily basis too so yeah Caleb talked about that before we came on air he had said he competed recently and the number of hours that some of the other competitors had under their belt compared to him was huge yeah, and with VR, with VR, you've got to even think about how much harder, you know, for someone that plays League of Legends competitively, you know, it's probably easy to say they may spend at least, if not more than 10 hours a day playing. That's, very, that's a difficult thing to do in VR. It's very demanding. So, um, I, you know, I think the level of dedication and um, kind of, you know, maybe not skill, but just uh, takes a different kind of skill set to be able to uh, put that kind of commitment into VR for sure. Caleb, Hunter talked already about a few games like Beat Saber, etc. What are the most popular VR esports games right now? 
Ah, well, most popular and a little bit of my most favorite is Echo Arena. It's a game that you actually play in anti-gravity, flying through the air and shooting what is almost like a Quidditch basketball type game where you actually have to put a disc through a, a hoop type area to get either two or three points. And and that's a, a very fun game that's been going on for about four years now, um, just, just a little over three. And that's a game that's developed not only a competition behind it, but an entire, you know, uh, plethora of people that, that play it daily. And, and so when you go on there, you'll see a lot of the same names and, and a lot of the same people. Um, so that, that's that's one of my favorite games that I've played myself for a long time. Uh, of course, Echo Combat is a part of that same world. It's also another eSport there. But rather than throwing a disc, you're using uh, guns and doing more of a capture the flag uh, territory style gameplay. Um, but besides those two, yeah, as, as Hunter mentioned, Onward is obviously an extremely popular game. Games like Onward and Pavlov also do have a lot of competitions with them. Onward is a part of, uh, I believe, the VRML League, so they have a lot of uh, exposure as well. Um, but yeah, the, the, the biggest difference I think that I also want to add in there is when you're playing these VR esports as opposed to traditional esports, you know, as, as we both said, they use different abilities. They both use lots of abilities, but different ones. And, and the beautiful part about VR is because there is this uh, training type aspect to everything that you do, there is this muscle memory and, and, and these these things that you see in, in an actual physical perspective using your real body, your neck muscles, your arm muscles to actually move your head up and down. Uh, so it's a little bit different from using your mouse and keyboard on, on a screen. And, and I do love that aspect. I think it translates in so many positive ways for the person experiencing it. Uh, and even though it is much more difficult to play VR for longer periods of time, um, you do get a lot out of it that does, you know, help you, I feel like in many other ways. Um, so that's one huge part about it. But yeah, that's, that's a, another thing is playing these VR esports and the time that it takes to, to put into them. It is much more difficult to get a lot of people together and to play these games, especially over, you know, different areas at different time periods. So that's something that the community is still struggling with, but it's definitely getting larger as more players come into it. Um, Final Assault, I do got to say real quick, Final Assault is the game that I played when I was in China. Um, and that is like a RTS real-time strategy game, uh, much like Brass Tactics, if anybody saw that, which was also created by the, the people that, that made Age of Empires. Um, so there's there's so many different types of games out there. It, it doesn't just mean that you have to be somebody who loves football or basketball or physical sports to play VR esports. There are so many different types of esports, uh, and, and even games like League of Legends that you were talking about, which is the most popular esport in the world. Uh, you know, and, and it's bringing in so much money and so many people, so many viewers right now. Uh, besides that game, there's another MOBA that's called Cradle of Sins, which is actually doing a tournament just this week. And they're going to be having people from all around the world participate and run around on a map, just like League of Legends, except it's going to be first person and in VR. So for people that love those kinds of games, they're going to really love the transition that they can do and, and stay in their same genres. So if I'm a, a naysayer or someone who uh, wants to criticize the esport arena, it might be well, gee, there's there's a lot of guns and shooting involved in esports, and as a concerned parent, I don't want my son or daughter participating in this. What do you guys say to that? So my so one, I wanted to comment on the Final Assault game. Final Assault's an amazing game. It's a strategy game, um, super fun um, in VR. And in general, I think it's kind of easy for people to be naysayers of esports because they might not um, get it. Uh, they might not have any, maybe even surface level knowledge. So I think with VR, it's in general um, kind of easier for games to uh, go for just. Uh, being a shooter game, I think it's kind of the, some of the kind of low hanging fruit um, when it comes to VR content. It's kind of um, 
just makes sense to make a shooter game. But if you look at the most popular game, Beat Saber out there is, you know, it's a rhythm game. Um, it's uh, not violent in really kind of any way, shape or form. Um, and in general, I would say most of the popular games out there aren't really overly violent. And I think that content creators um, are pretty um, good about understanding that, especially with violence in VR, it's kind of, it's different than violence in a regular video game. You know, something like Call of Duty, I don't think people really think twice about anymore. I mean, maybe not for a small child, but most people are okay with Call of Duty. Um, when it even comes to violence in VR, um, even in something like Onward, um, it's still not, I would say, nearly as uh, violent as something like Call of Duty. Caleb, do you get that criticism that I, I threw out there as well from people? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think that there's many different ways of thinking when it comes to games, but one of the most common ways is to think about, well, how violent is the industry and how does that translate to not only our children, but to ourselves when we play these sports, uh, these games. And when we do talk about the esport aspect of games, uh, of course, there are many shooters, but as I kind of said before, there really is a genre for everything. So if you're into shooting competitions, just like there's a real world for that, you know, playing paintball or or going to a marksmanship, you know, classes or, or different trainings where you can actually, you know, compete against other other people and see how well you do with those tools. You know, some people don't want to do that in real world. Uh, that's fine. Don't do it in the digital world either. You can also, as we said, play games like Echo Arena, where you're throwing discs through hoops, which is much more like basketball. Uh, there are, of course, going to be games, as we can imagine, much more like football, basketball, and baseball games that we're familiar with. So uh, those ones that people, you know, the sports that you know, most parents don't have a problem with today are also going to be translated into VR without a doubt. Uh, But the beautiful part about VR is we're not held to these constraints of the physical world. We don't have to just have sports that do what the physical world sports do uh, uh, does, which is part of the reason why I like uh, I like Echo Arena so much is because you're literally an android flying around an anti-gravity environment. And at first, most people play it and they become sick and they're not it's, it's difficult to play. After you play several hours, your brain becomes adapted to it and you get used to this almost different dimension of playing a game that still physically exerts, you know, strength and force on your body. Uh, and at the same time allows you to create those kinds of great communication skills with your teammates. And, and of course, that foundation of friendship that, that is so you know key when it comes to just playing sports with your friends. So it hits on all those really important parts with all the positivities um, without the negativities in the sense that you don't have to play shooters if you don't want to play shooters. You can play whatever that you, you know, whatever, you know, tickles you, whatever you think is going to be the fun game for you, you get to choose that. Um, but but I would say that I think the most important thing is, is especially for parents and people out there that are making decisions for other people or, or, or trying trying to help guide people is that, you know, if you have a belief out there in, in, in a way something should be, the best thing to do is to educate the people that you care about and to let them go out and experience those things so that they can bring those experiences so that we can have more developers making the kinds of content that people want to see. You guys have already alluded to my next question, which was educational benefits. So I'm going to go to why, why are schools then so slow to adopt VR and esports? I feel, I feel like this one's yeah, Hunter. I'll let you start with this one, but I, feel, I definitely have a lot of opinions on that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, um, you know, it's just going to take a little, you know, it's just going to take time with everything for um, schools to kind of see the value um, in esports. I think you're seeing with, with traditional esports, especially, you are seeing lots of schools, universities at least have teams in some aspects. I've even seen uh, some colleges and universities that actually do provide 
you know, incentives towards students for these kinds of things. So I think it's something that you're starting to see um, get picked up on more. Um, but I think, and this is, you know, anytime you see a eSport clip posted on ESPN's Facebook, you can see mostly comments of people saying like, well, this isn't sports. And I think that that might be kind of maybe something that's also similarly holding back um, education is because they see these things as games and historically video games have uh, been painted as something that detracts from education. Um, when in reality, it's um, even vast studies show that it's v- very much the opposite of that. Caleb? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and, and one big thing with schools is, is always is, is going to be cost. Schools are worried about cost and, and how to make things make sense to the board so they can get the money for things. And I think that VR is a very confusing thing and has been for many years. And it's just now getting to the point to where it's more easily, easily explainable. And in part, that's because we've had so many people adopt it and actually try it for the first time. There's no way that you can explain VR to somebody. They have to try it to really understand how it works and what it can do for the human brain as far as development, understanding, training, and, and, and you know, just, just how the technology works. Um, so I think that that's a huge part. Education has been one thing. So as we educate the educators, we're able to get those educators to then put those tools for the, for the main population. Uh, number two, I think that, the, you know, as I said, too, VR is very complicated. We've had so many different headsets come out every single year. It's impossible for an industry, even like, like places like the VR arcades that I help run here in Sao Paulo, uh, as well as like the Void, uh, the Void arcades, which is, uh, you know, our, our teamed up with a lot of the major movie studios, they're constantly having to make sure that their hardware is up to date and it's very difficult and expensive to do so. So I think that we're finally getting to this point to where now that we've got Oculus Quest devices that are mobile that allow you to have everything built into it, um, devices like that allow schools and educators to have this tool. So the more headsets that come out that are like that, um, the more obviously uh, development titles that come out that are educational and that allow for schools to see the benefits. And of course, it's just having that time for the data to build up because we have people right now doing all these things. We have people gathering this data. We have schools investing millions of dollars into VR labs and, and all this data that they're gathering is going to help push this in the next com- you know, few years coming. And so I, I definitely, without a doubt, see uh, VR taking over in schools because of the benefits that it has with just training and teaching in general. But talking about esports, you know, that just goes without a doubt. You know, what are you going to do when you're done learning in VR? You're going to go play in VR. And if you're going to play in VR, do an esport because it's going to be a different type of learning. So, you know, I, I just see that as a, as a choice. And, and really, it's a choice that everyone can have because by location, we are, are limited often by what we can do, what we can see, and what we can learn. But through the internet and through virtual reality and through virtual training sessions, we're able to almost experience anything anywhere. And that unlocks a lot for everyone. It's, it's funny you mentioned that last statement. So over here in Asia, obviously, with the Wuhan virus, many of my friends who teach in China at big international schools, they their schools are shut down. So I'm getting a lot of uh, a lot of messages on Twitter and whatnot saying, oh, I wish we would have had VR set up, you know, fast forward five years, the kids could still be having school, but in VR. 
Yeah, w- without a doubt. There, I mean, there's a definitely enough programs right now that, that even make it possible. People go into virtual rooms all the time and, and, and walk around and see each other. And, and, and yeah, the, the big benefit too, I think, of having it in VR is it really does make you mentally feel like you're with people. So you, re- you respect the situation much differently than you do when you're just looking at a television or a computer screen. Uh, you know, having a monitor in front of you looking through it is a different feeling than just being there and physically moving your head and your neck and your body and your eyes just as you would in real life. Um, so I think for educational purposes that in the future, that really will, without a doubt, play a role. I mean, I, I can't see a reason that it wouldn't. Um, as we all know, AR, augmented reality, is also a thing that that educators are really interested in. And, and I think that some kind of a future, you know, glasses that, that allowed for both would be something that, uh, that would be perfect for the education setting. Yeah, and I think the social aspect of VR is really not something to uh, think lightly on. It really, it, the the what it can add to experiences overall. Um, it's kind of hard to even quantify really. Um, anyone that's participated in competitive standard gaming, I'm sure almost any of them can talk about negative experiences that they may have had with other people. I think it's something that um, competitive games uh, kind of get a bad rap for. Um, is their community sometimes occasionally. Um, I don't see this in VR almost ever. Um, I, I think this kind of social aspect of really being there with somebody um, just in general kind of changes it and kind of brings it to a whole new level for people for sure. Oh, good, good point, Hunter. I never thought of that. Um, Caleb, you mentioned Quest and the, the whole new sort of movement with standalone headsets. Are there competitions already uh, taking advantage of the standalone headsets or they're not powerful enough yet to do VR and esports. Uh, well, I, I would say that there is definitely competition coming here in the next uh, year. In the next two years, we should see a few different, you know, copycats, they say, of the Quest. Um, Pico Neo is one brand that's a Chinese brand that's been around for quite a while. They've been doing standalone VR a year before uh, the Quest came out. It's just, as you said, though, that last part where uh, can they actually do esports? And that that is a good question because you have to have hardware that's fast enough to, to match up with the human body, right? If you're going to move your arms and you're going to move your hands or you're going to pretend to try to catch or swing or do anything, you want your movements to be one-to-one in the real world, in the virtual world, thus making this a true sport of your actual abilities, right? Uh, So that's something that as of now, in my opinion, the Quest is the only public uh, manufactured device that you can buy that does that. But I I absolutely believe that here in the next few years, we're going to have many, many more devices come out that are like that. Um, I, I do have to say props to Oculus because the tracking that they use, the inside out tracking, that software is is amazing and and compared to some other companies that are also doing it there it feels like they're years behind at the moment so uh, facebook has invested a lot of money in into this but what i can see here is, is, is there's a lot of other companies out there maybe we don't know their names just yet because they're not as popular as facebook or as oculus uh, but there's a lot of other companies and people that see the value of this and they are also investing their money and their time and getting really smart people to work on these things uh, i believe that that any kind of technology that's there to help humanity that can really take over mankind such as AR, VR in general, I I believe we're going to have people invest in it, not only because it's going to have a lot of money for them in the long run through investment opportunities, but for the, for the, hopefully the best reason it's because it really can help people. So, you know, overall, if, if, if we can create these devices that are going to create a better world that we live in, uh, then that's what people are going to do. And that's what I see happening. Yeah. And with standalone headsets too, you're, we're going to see the emergence of, standalone or uh, sorry uh, free roam content and basically this is mm-hmm. 
content or games where people are in the same shared space, um, but without having to go, th- they're not limited by the guardian. Uh, now with Oculus, there is a question of if this is a, even going to be allowed on the quest, <clears throat> Yeah. But like what Caleb said, with other headsets, we'll see more of this kind of uh, content out there where multiple people can be in the same area um, and kind of sharing that same space. I've seen a few right now that are, uh, you know, like laser tag shooters almost. And I've seen a few copies that are kind of uh, clones of those kinds of content. And they look very, uh, very interesting, very fun, kind of more like a old school paintball or laser tag kind of situation where you've got people actually physically moving around, running around and, you know, working together. Um, so, so we'll definitely see things like that as well. So let's say like me, I'm a teacher who is excited about the promise of VR and esports at my school. Like, how do I get started? Like, wh- where do I go? What's my first step? What's my next step? Oh, well, well, first you, you need to have headsets to play it. So I guess the first thing would be is to find the best hardware solution that you can have for what you're going to do, you know, and, and knowing your hardware somewhat tells you what software that you can run. Uh, that's not always the case. And most experiences are available for everything. But when it comes to mobile VR, especially not every VR experience is going to be available, you know, for that. It's also available for PC VR. So uh, as complicated as it can be, the, the smartest thing to do is to first pick the best hardware that you can possibly have. And, and then, of course, see what you can do with that hardware. Uh, and I guess that's, that's kind of a combination of, of, of things you have to do at the same time, because you don't want to get stuck with something that you can not have any use for, such as the Pico Neo. If you decided to go with that, you'd have no practical use for it at this time. Um, but I think once you find a device, whether it be a PC VR headset, the Vive, the Rift, the Index, uh, any one of those, or, or of course, like a Quest, um, the next thing you do is, is you find out, you know, what are people interested in and what kind of a sport can you do, whether it be a, a game that's already available or some kind of a, an experience that can be developed for you guys. Because, you know, I'm not sure um, how all the schools out there work, but but I, I would assume that there's going to be some educational apps that are uh, developed specifically for, you know, universities, schools, different, different uh, ages of kids or, or students, you know, in, in general. And that would make the most sense uh, in, in my mind. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that first you start with hardware and then you start with experiences or then you go with experiences. Are there Hunter, are there leagues though that like, so can I look up on the internet and Google search, uh, VR esports tournaments or VR esports leagues? And will I come up with a lot of hits? Yeah. So, um, one that I would look into for sure is the virtual athletics league. Um, they've run a beat saber tournament in the past. Um, and they've run many tournaments in the past. Um, there's also ESL, I think to my knowledge also, mm-hmm. uh, does VR. Yep. That's right. As yep. Well. So, um, there's definitely, and I think with ESL, there's even a few collegiate teams involved in that one. I know there are some collegiate teams that participate in onward at least. So, um, yeah, there are definitely resources and uh, places out there for uh, teachers to go to if they're looking to get involved in something like that. That and the I know the Echo Arena and Combat community is a wonderful community that is always more than happy to help people. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, you mentioned ESL. I've I've played with them quite a bit. Not only can you play the games and have a lot of fun, but they do like little. Uh, you know, they've got prize pools and so people can actually make a little bit of money and play with their friends and have fun. Um, and it's, 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 it's very well done. Uh, there's also the VRML, which is, as you said, Echo Arena and Echo Combat. I think that, you know, they, they deal a lot with VRML and not only that, but they, they now do Onward and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think th- those are kind of the big VR 
uh, tournament communities. But even my personal life, I, I will have to say it, um, when I'm looking for tournaments or when I've seen tournaments, a lot of it has to do with arcades. Uh, I, I do work with the VR arcades here. And when we, we we try our best to actually create little tournaments for people to come in and play, because it's a nice way for people in the community who've never tried VR before to get to experience it for the first time and have a reason to, an exp- uh, to experience it. Also, it does give us this little window to try to teach people about how VR esports can be beneficial for them. Because, uh, you know, we talk about how there's a stigma of how, you know, sometimes games aren't considered sports or they're not considered important when it comes to teaching or learning, where where I personally think that they're very important, if not some of the most important tools that you can use to get somebody to, to understand something, especially if you learn differently from others. So, you know, VR arcades is a great place for it. And, and, and I think, you know, you guys each obviously know there's Springboard VR, which is a place that, you know, has also uh, done some tournaments and, and brought people together. And, and yeah, so the, those are the ones that I personally have, have seen right now. Uh, but there's so many websites out there that are doing eSport or VR calendars. So anytime there's a, a sport that comes out that's going to be having a tournament, they usually put them up there. And, and right now, because VR is early and there's so many eSport type games or games that want to have tournaments that are coming out this year and next year, um, the best place I feel like is those uh, is those VR you know, pegboards, if you would call them, um, because games like Echo, or, you know, or sorry, Final Assault, when they do their little tournaments, they're always put on there. When games like Cradle of Sins, the MOBA game, they're going to be having it this week. That's also available through these boards. And really, there's no other way to, to communicate with them other than Discord, which is a program that we use for uh, talking with the gaming VR community and esports. E- so um, if you use Discord, it's a great way to interface and to, to speak with these people, to become a part of the community, and to just kind of learn about the games that you want to play. And and, and no doubt that we have a lot of people that join these discords that have never played VR, that don't own VR, that simply join them and, and, and say, man, I wish I could do what you guys are doing. I wish I could have VR. And sure enough, six months later, a year later, that same person is always playing with us in, in the matches. Yeah, it'll be interesting talking of that once, although it's probably not an eSport game, Half-Life, Half-Life Alex, once it's coming out, supposedly there'll be a lot of people trying to get headsets for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. Anytime you have a big game come out, like a, a Half-Life type game or, or any big IP that, that's going to put a game out there, we're going to see a lot more people come into VR, uh, just like we did this last Christmas. And, and even like Walking Dead and, and, and some of these other big you know IPs that everybody likes to watch their, their TV shows, they're coming out with games, which is bringing more and more people into VR. So, yeah. Now, one I'm super excited for on the quest that's coming out very soon is called Hyperdash. Definitely suggest people look into that one when it comes out. It looks like it should be very, very fun. Uh, just slowly wrapping up, Caleb, what are some of your goals, either VR related or quite possibly pushing the envelope on VR and esports for you? Well, uh, when it comes to competition, I'm not somebody who generally has. Uh, I, Recently, I haven't had a whole lot of time to devote to playing for months at a time. Uh, so I've been kind of stepping on the edge. Uh, my goals are really to bring VR esports to people who want to to learn about them. You know, I'm not trying to to evangelize it so much and, and just shake people and, and get them to look. But anybody who's who's looking in my way already who wants to know about it, I'm, I'm really trying to, to help them learn about it, help them get involved in it, because I don't think people realize how how I guess how great the community, but how small the community really is right now. I mean, it's, we've got thousands and thousands of people in there, but we don't have these numbers that some of these other pancake games have these 2d type games. So we really encourage everyone to come in and play these different games. And and we try to teach them as much as we can. So when we see new players, you know, most of the community, as Hunter even said before there, it's a great community of good people that are, it's like meeting people for real and in real life. So we really try to put them under our wing and help them learn these games. And soon enough, some of those help people you're helping or then beating you later on. 
Um, so I, I do a lot of that uh, as far as teaching people, but I'm also trying to jump into the shout casting. I've been doing some of the actual, you know, voice casting when, when the games are going on, you've got to have the commentators explaining what's going on in the game. And that's kind of my way to jump in and get to, uh, share my passion and love for the, the VR esports. So I'm going to be doing some of that for VR ML and, and trying to play some games here and there. As we said before, I did do the community cup for, uh, echo combat, which I got to play a few, uh, months ago, and that was really fun. So anytime there's something that I'm invited to, I'm definitely going to play it. Uh, what's great is there's a lot of new games that come out there. And when the new games are popping out, uh, they often do like uh, very quick tournaments with them. So you'll see me in those kinds of tournaments playing because once again, they don't take the months and months of, of work uh, to get into them. So uh, that's, that's kind of my goal right now with that. And I think uh, obviously helping the developments as much as possible too. Uh, a lot of people criticize what's going on. And when I see something that I don't like, or when I want something that I don't have, I try really hard to get those things implemented or speak with developers and, and, and try my best to create that, that world that I want to exist. So um, I'm going to continue to do that as much as I can. You've got that smooth, silky voice. So I can see you being a good, uh, a good caster. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm still learning. I have a lot to learn. Uh, one thing I, I can say, there are people that do the play-by-play when they're voice casting, where they're talking really fast and they're telling you every single thing that's going on. I cannot do that very well just yet. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, but I, I feel very comfortable when it comes to just commenting on things that I really do care about. And it really does help if you play the game a lot too. So I try to only cast on things that I've actually got a lot of experience playing. How about you, Hunter? Yeah, you know, just excited to um, kind of uh, help grow the kind of esports and tournament participation um, within location-based entertainment, you know, arcades and stuff like that. Uh, really excited because I think it's a, you know, it's a great opportunity for arcades and operators to kind of expand on, uh, you know, what they do in their day-to-day. Um, you know, it's that's easily something that, you know, you could get people in on during the slower times if they're trying to, you know, perfect you know, their beat rate, beat saber runs or, uh, you know, work together as a team with onward, um, you know, to, you know, just kind of take everything to the next level. Um, you know, these places, some of them, you know, really pride themselves in being almost kind of community centers where people can go to just kind of not only hang out, but obviously experience a new kind of technology that, um, you know, isn't as easily accessible as something like a PlayStation, um, you know, Introducing people to VR uh, is the first step. I think Caleb talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, they can't really, nobody understands it until they really do it. And then, you know, kind of once they do, again, as Caleb said, there's really something out there for everybody um, that, you know, that goes along with any kind of, uh, you know, with gaming content in general and VR is no, no different. So mm-hmm. just excited to kind of, uh, yeah, keep, you know, fostering that good relationship between arcades and these people putting together these awesome kinds of competitions. Listen, guys, if someone wanted to get a hold of you because they had more questions or, you know, are trying to set up maybe uh, VR esports, how would they get a hold of you for that? Ooh. The old, the old getting a hold of question. I think the, the best way to get a hold of me would just be through social media. I try my best to just respond to everybody. Uh, so whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, uh, send me a message and I'll try to get back to you. Uh, whether it's about VR or technology, marketing, those those fun things, uh, esports, I, I, I really 
uh, love kind of keeping my head in, in different areas as much as possible and learning from other people like yourselves. So the, the more that I can speak with people like you the and, and other people in the community that are passionate about this stuff, uh, the better that I can be what I want to be, which is a professional in the industry in some way, shape or form. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I, I do have a YouTube channel um, that I don't quite make very many videos for right now, but uh, it's been up for a while. We've got uh, a few subs on there for VR mainly related content, but I, I, and I also put up travel videos. Uh, but generally, my life is kind of I'm, I'm friends with VR people. I'm friends with tech people. And so basically, when I travel and when I do things, it's usually related around tech and VR. Uh, so that's what all you're going to find there. So, yep. And uh, I guess you can find me at Reality Check VR. Pretty easy. Reality Check VR, right? Okay. That, that, that's my spiel. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think probably the easiest way to get in contact with me would just be kind of emailing me, hunter at springboardvr.com, uh, working on getting maybe uh, YouTube and Twitch channels and um, some other stuff a little bit ac- uh, more active. But um, I'd say, yeah, until then, just emailing hunter at springboardvr.com would be great. And, and in general, um, if people have questions about VR content um, or just VR in general, uh you know, email Springboard. You could email content at springboardvr.com or just support. Um, one thing that we really kind of pride ourselves on is, you know, even if we even if we may not have a direct answer, we should be able to point you in the right direction and get you the kind of uh, information that you need. Because uh, again, we really do uh, pride ourselves in being able to uh, um, inform people on everything that's uh, you know great to, uh, great with VR. Well, yeah, that's, I was going to say, I'll say, say, Hunter, that I, I just got to agree with you real quick. You know, Springboard and, and you and you guys have been really good at, at being out there in the community. I, I met you about a year ago in San Francisco, I think, doing a, a talk at the VR Arcade Conference. And, and that was a great place for, for all kinds of people in the community to get, to get together. So I think it really is important that you're, that you're not only out there in the VR world, virtual world, jumping out there, sharing all this great information, but also being on the ground floor, meeting people in the real world is very important because those, those, those connections, as we all know, virtual connections are, are, are something great and we're happy to have them. But, but that real world connection is also going to forever be important. So. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we we work with lots of uh, operators and uh, people that are using VR in their day to day. So um, our community that we have is extremely uh, helpful, uh, you know, to each other even, too. It's a, a very a very welcoming community in general and, you know, kind of helping each other out. Because whether you are running an arcade in VR, whether you are streaming your VR content, everyone's still kind of... <laughs> Or, you know, or whether people, you know, you guys are developers making VR content, everyone's still kind of a pioneer in the industry and uh, figuring it out together. So I think the more heads that we can put together, the better it'll be in the end, right? Absolutely. Speaking of welcoming, guys, thanks a lot for taking the time out of your busy day to be on the show. And um, if you can hold on after uh, I stop the recording, we can just do a quick debrief. I uh, appreciate you sharing your amazing knowledge and uh hopefully our paths cross again thanks so much absolutely thanks for having us